Hello, everybody. Adam Parks here with another episode of Receivables Roundtable. Today, I am here with Janine Jackson with Phillips and Cohen Associates, who's here to talk to us about debt settlement. Now, we had done a session on debt settlement a couple of months ago together, and I was so intrigued not only with the topic, but her knowledge of that topic and her perspective on how creditors and debt settlement organizations can be working together that I wanted to bring her back again so that we could talk a little bit about debunking some of the myths that come along with debt settlement. Um, and so I thought you were the perfect guest. So Janine, welcome back again. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate being here. Thank you very much. For anybody watching, if you did not see that last episode, we'll link that in the description below. But for anyone who hasn't seen that yet, Janine, can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you got to the seat that you're in today? Sure. I started in debt settlement around 2008, and I worked for one of the largest servicing companies of debt settlement. And um, probably about a year after starting with that company, I moved over to AmeriCorps. Uh, which is one of the fifth largest debt settlement companies um, nationwide currently. Mm. And uh, I've been in the industry in the debt settlement side, or I was in the industry for 15 years before coming over to Phillips and Cohen and making that transition to the other side. <laughs> and the transition to the other side, I definitely understand. Well, I've enjoyed working with Phillips and Cohen Associates for the majority of my career. Could you tell everybody who might not be familiar what it is that you guys do at Phillips and Cohen Associates? Sure, sure. We're a full service collection company. I actually came over to help launch a specific product called Settle Now. And what Settle Now is, is a centralized platform that creditors can use to, which literally integrates with over 100 debt settlement companies and automates the entire debt settlement process, the negotiation of the settlements, the settlement letters are um, given to the available to the, uh, excuse me, to the debt settlement companies within 15 minutes of accepting their offer. And, uh, and payments are also run through the centralized platform. So everything is automated, makes life very simple. Well, a technology stack specifically designed yeah. to manage debt settlement sounds like it would be an intriguing and useful tool across the receivables management industry, especially considering yeah. the state of our future economy here um, and just understanding that influx of accounts that are coming and looking at more ways to uh, more deeply penetrate each portfolio that we're working. So yeah. with all that being said, and I know last time we started talking a little bit about debt settlement, you know, from a high level, let's, let's debunk a couple of myths today about debt settlement and help yeah. our audience, which is mostly going to be in the creditor debt buyer agency space, uh, you know, what it is that they should understand about the debt settlement industry. So let's start with just the basics. Like what is debt settlement? Okay. Well, debt settlement is an industry that came about because uh, customers and consumers are having a hard time managing their debts. They're looking for ways to, you know, make ends meet on a monthly basis and they're looking for help. So they're going through some sort of financial hardship and they come to a debt settlement company to be their advocates, to try and settle out their debt, their total debt. Uh, for less than the full balance and pretty much avoid bankruptcy whenever possible. It's just an alternative to other methods. Um, a good one because also some of these uh, consumers can't afford a consolidation loan. So it's just another option. Okay. So um, can a consumer enroll uh, performing accounts or is it all non-performing like in collections or post charge off? Like at what 
points in well, the account lifecycle? That's a great question. Really, it depends on the consumer. Some of them have been struggling and are currently current, but they're finding it really hard to stay on top of their monthly obligations. Mm -hmm. So uh, in the debt settlement industry, as a client is just on that teetering edge of falling off the cliff <laughs> is usually when they start to come in. It's, it's probably the time when they look to debt settlement to kind of help them out of that fix that they're in. Okay, so if they were to place a performing account in debt settlement, um, is that account still active or they, they kind of that account gets closed out, settled out and is no longer like if it started off as a revolving line, I'm assuming that credit would still be extended once they've settled. Yeah, well, as soon as they start going late with the creditor, uh, they will, the creditor typically does close out the account. Okay. Understood. Um, so from a debt settlement standpoint, how does a debt settlement organization actually earn its fees from the consumers? Another great question. So debt settlement was recently regulated. And well, I say recently 2010. <laughs> and um, it really changed the landscape of how debt settlement companies can take fees. Mm -hmm. So there are three requirements for taking fees. One is that a um, something has to change with the uh, the current situation. So an offer has to be presented. The client has to approve the individual offer, and then a first payment has to be made to the creditor before a debt settlement company can take their fees. Okay, and like, how are the fee? Are the fees structured as a percentage? Are they? Is it a flat fee? Like, how are the fees structured? Yeah, so when a consumer first enrolls into the program, um, they look at the total uh, debt that they're enrolling. And mm -hmm. as each debt settles, um, it is a percentage of the total debt, but for that one debt that settles at that one time. Okay. All right. So it is, it, it's kind of working on that percentage basis. Um, right. You know, for a consumer that's looking to enroll in this or for a, a creditor or a debt buyer that is lending into particular verticals, are there certain types of products like credit products that fit better into debt settlement, credit card, auto, retail, student loans, fintech? I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's name a whole host all, of verticals. <laughs> yeah, there is, but it's most, it's all unsecured debt. So okay. take all those verticals, and if it's unsecured, that can be um, put into the program. Medical debt. There are some limits. Um, you know, there are minimums. Some companies won't take anything below two fifty, two hundred fifty dollars. But in general, if it's unsecured, even if it's an auto deficiency and it's already been repossessed and there's still a deficiency balance. Those can mm -hmm. be entered into the program. But in general, it's usually unsecured line of credits, personal loans, um, credit card debt, and so on. Okay, so it does sound like there's a whole lot of, uh, of different products that can ultimately be baked into it. Um, you know, when the consumer is enrolling in the debt settlement program, are there other services or products that are available to the consumers through those organizations? Or is it this, this one, hey, we're going to settle your debt. Here's our track. Yeah, so that's really changed over the decade or so. It used to be straight debt settlement, but there are other products now that can be offered to the consumer. Okay. A lot of them are like uh, litigation defense um, products where in case they're sued, they'll have uh, an attorney available to respond to any summons that a, a client receives. Um, some debt settlement companies now also offer a um, behavioral loan. 
at a certain mm -hmm. point of time. So they can do a consolidation loan based off of their behavior of how they've been acting in the program so that they can, you know, these people that could never qualify for a loan using FICO scores can now get a loan later on in the program to literally get out of debt and for a lesser amount. So they could potentially be given the opportunity to borrow based on their behavior. So looking past mm -hmm. the standard banking risk matrix that's used in underwriting and trying to understand, you know, based on their specific behavioral patterns, I'm assuming that the interest rates are in line with the risk level of the lender, but the availability well, of credit regulated on that. Oh, I'm sure. But the availability of credit is one of those things that becomes highly debated, right? Uh, you, have, you have states that really don't want any kind of payday lending to happen. But then you also have consumers in those states who are completely and financially un, unavailable for borrowing. Um, they just don't have alternatives. So they end up turning to pawn shops and other things. So I, I find that to be an interesting um it's an interesting kind of uh, of outlook on it. So I'll, enabling yeah. a consumer through positive and consistent behavior to become a borrower again and using that behavior as a measurement of risk versus just the standardized scores, which I think is a much more specialized right. way to look at that type of, of loan. Um, yeah. That's very interesting. So in all the conversations that I've had about debt settlement, uh, everything has been about you know why the why the debt buyers and creditors should want to work with the debt settlement companies. I'm curious about how it looks from the other side of the world, right? What are the challenges that the debt settlement organizations have in dealing with creditors or debt buyers or agencies well, or law firms? Yeah, just well, just like debt settlement, there's a large range of. Um, companies from the largest uh, technologically advanced ones all the way down to your corner shop mom pa. Mm -hmm. The same thing happens when you're dealing with uh, creditors, whether it be a large bank with a lot of technology resources, all the way down to a servicer or debt buyer that are, you know, less likely to have um, the technical capabilities in order to uh, work with debt settlement companies. So, uh, so we used to find that um, they just weren't equipped. And if they were equipped with the big banks, it would take a long time to kind of get to a priority level where they could uh, divert some of their resources to engage with that settlement. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, having to call in and, you know, go two hour holds weren't uh, uncommon back in the day. So it was pretty tough, very tough. And then there was a lot of, you know, just bad press from, before debt settlement was regulated in 2010, you know, mm -hmm. there was a lot of bad residual uh, thought process on what debt settlement is. And um, that was also something that we have to overcome. And we're trying to do that by education, not just of the creditors and, um, you know, debt buyers and such, but also with the consumers too. We do a lot to educate um, consumers of what the pros and the cons are of getting into debt settlement. Well, that's interesting. Um, and I think any industry uh, prior to its regulation, you know, a handful of bad actors cause bad press for everybody. Yeah. It's definitely something I'm familiar with. Um, I, I find that to be interesting though, right? That, that it's uh, those challenges and where you guys started from making those phone calls, the wait times trying to get on with somebody at the bank. Cause I do know how long it can take to, yeah 
to get the resources necessary to build a direct and secure connection back and forth to whether it be large banks, agencies, law firms, because every organization out there has limited technical capacity, right? And that technical capacity gets pulled in a lot of different directions at the same time. Uh, and especially when you're dealing with a bank and the level of red tape that it takes to go through, I'm, I'm sure it can take years to build out a direct connection to an organization that doesn't already have some sort of an API uh, railroad track running in and out of the systems. Um, so uh, that, that's a, a very interesting uh, uh, challenge. Uh, from a regulatory standpoint, I know you were talking about you know, regulations that, that um, were enhanced in 2010. You know, what organizations are, are kind of yeah. observing and watching and regulating the debt settlement space? Well, debt settlement is regulated by the FTC under the TSR rule. Uh, we also had oversight from the attorney generals for each state, uh, CFPB, as most people are, um, you know, and then we have our own uh, industry watchdogs. We have our own associations, the AFCC, and recently the CDRI. And those are associations that also the consumers can reach out to. And then you have the BBB and all the other kind of agencies. So we're, we're under the microscope quite a bit, or the debt settlement is under the microscope quite a bit. So um, because it's such a popular industry right now, everyone's doing as much as they can to make sure that consumers are treated right, that it's transparent. A lot of money is being pumped into technology to make sure that consumers are well aware of everything they're getting into. Well, it sounds like it's it's a little bit of a cross between customer service and debt collection, right? And you have to like you have to have these uncomfortable conversations, but at the same time, you're trying to provide a service and to improve the experience for the end user consumer, which I find to be yeah. interesting. As we all, you know, the the debt collector, the debt settlement group seem to have aligned goals in terms of satisfying an outstanding debt and providing a good customer experience. So hopefully we'll start to see, um, you know, more collaboration and cooperation. And it sounds like technology, um, like what you guys have built out over there has really put you in a position to simplify that process um, and to maybe shorten the timelines that would be required for a creditor or debt buyer to build the rails. Because I'm assuming now with your debt settlement you know, platform, you've got these API technology rails that the banks can plug into in far less time than having to build out the rails themselves. Right. And also they don't have to deal with all the different debt settlement companies. It's a centralized platform. It's a one location, a hub. Everything's automated. They just plug in and basically play and, and it's a runoff of the business requirement of that particular creditor. And uh, everything's verified through uh, the um, engine. So it can make sure that it all is compliant, follows the rules, and does it in a fast way. Well, that is absolutely fantastic. Janine, I really appreciate you coming on and having another chat with me. I feel like we're going to have to continue to do this little ongoing segment about debt sure. settlement, especially as more things start to change. And, you know, with all the expected changes in our economy, I have a feeling that yeah. this is going to be a conversation that 
will continue its importance over time. Um, for those of you that are watching, if you have additional questions that you'd like to ask Janine or myself, you can leave those in the comments below. Uh, if you have additional topics that you'd like to see us cover, you can leave those in the comments as well. And I bet I can get Janine to come back at least one more time to help me continue creating great content for a great industry. But Janine, thank you so much for coming on and joining me today. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you everybody for watching today and we'll see you again soon.